everybody. Welcome to Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical tropics of Calgary, Alberta, is my co-host, Mr. Tim Jetsy. Tim, how's it going, sir? Been good. Been busy. Good to hear. We have all the permits. Yes. Finally, buddy. You did it. Yeah, so hopefully we get that basement renovated before baby arrives. Yeah, because you guys are only, what, not even... No, I guess over eight weeks now. Over eight weeks, yeah. We've got about three, 12? 12 weeks, 12 weeks. 12 weeks? Okay. That's not bad. That's yeah, not bad. It's April 20th. Actually, we're probably closer to 15. So mm-hmm. we still have time. Well, I was going to say, wouldn't 15 weeks be into, like, May? Uh, it'd be, like, April 20th, like, late April. Because we're four weeks to the end of February, four more to the end of March, four more... Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, we're close. Yeah, we're closer to 12. That's all right, though. I- I'm very happy to hear that you got all your permits. Although, could you imagine if somebody who's never listened to our podcast up until now just jumped on and you hear, wait, who's having a kid? What? Who's renovating their basement? Yeah, they finally got the permits. We'd love to hear it. Man. We'd love to hear it. We know what we also love to hear, Tim, is our cover athlete for this week's episode, season seven. Episode 16, A Chronological Order, episode 166. Now, of course, given the Audible Centers have not had a player of award number 66, we decided we're going to do something a little bit different here for Third Line Plug on this week's episode. We're going to, we did Famous People of Ottawa and the late Norm MacDonald was voted as our cover athlete for today's episode. So let's do a little rundown about Norm MacDonald. So, he, he was born in Quebec City, but he was raised in Ottawa, started up as a stand-up comedian in Ottawa, was a cast member of Saturday Night Live from 93 to 98, best known for the weekend update and his Burt Reynolds impression. Something I didn't really know is that I did not realize he was a writer, I think for only one season, on one of my all-time favorite TV shows, which is Roseanne. Really? I did not know Norm wrote for Roseanne. That's actually pretty crazy, holy... But like, yeah, the guy was incredibly talented and very funny just kind of across all the things he did. Uh, The thing that I remember him most for is his role as Pigeon in Mike Tyson's Mysteries. That's a cut right there. That is a cut. I do not even remember that. It was a good show, man. Was it? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, Was that the Netflix show that was animated? Yep. Okay. uh, You know what? Actually, I think I remember that show. I think I watched like one episode. But you know what? Given Norm Macdonald's sort of deadpan delivery, pigeon kind of makes sense. Yeah. Sound kind of more like a pigeon. To <laughs> Just very silly. Yeah. But you know, the one thing we haven't even mentioned about when talking about Norm Macdonald is his appearances in the late night television because that's what really made Norm a legend. Even though people do remember him from Saturday Night Live and certain TV shows that he worked on, it was really on the late night circuit, most notably for me, David Letterman and Conan O'Brien, is where he really made the name for himself. I mean, Christ, you go onto YouTube now, there's the moth joke, pump fiction. Pump friction. Pump friction, just stuff like that that really gets people going. And you know what really surprised me? This is only for the listeners. Because you were here on the island for your wedding, and we went yeah. on a hike just up the road here. And you told me, and that I don't know why it kind of surprised me, that you told me you were a huge Norm Macdonald fan. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, Pump Friction was one of my favorite jokes he ever did. Yeah. It's incredible. And you just see Conan O'Brien dying. Even his podcast, like, it's just, what was that? Somebody had a great line about Norm, is that he towed the line between trolling people and being mischievous. That's a really good way of, describing it a lot of it was just like okay he's going for this bit again and then there's another then you get the other element of it's like wait he just he set all this up just for that and then it's funny because of the way that he did the whole rigmarole right yeah i think andy richter summed it up perfectly he says norm's the kind of person that would take you on a five mile a five mile hike just to look at a turd that sounds about right it is. Now, unfortunately, in 2021, Norm did pass away from cancer. And it was so shocking to everybody because, and Conan O'Brien talked about this on his podcast, 
nobody knew Norm was sick. Like, Norm battled cancer privately. He never brought any attention to it. And so when it passed, when he ended up passing away, it stunned so many people just because, again, we nobody knew about it. Yeah, but at the same time, it, it kind of feels like a Norm McDonald bit, too. Because it's like, but you didn't ask. Yeah, it's like on Norm's podcast, he had this bit about, he goes, you know, I went to see the doctor and the doctor was telling me, he says, you got to lose weight. I said, well, why is that? He says, because you're fat. And the guy who's listening to this is like, well, that's not funny. And Norm's like, it's not supposed to be funny. He's my doctor. <laughs> I'm so happy. And you know what? It's funny with some of these polls, like I've said in the past, with certain players you can kind of tell where the poll is going to go when Norm McDonald was right at the top, because again, you had some heavy hitters. You had him, Alanis Morissette, Dan Aykroyd. You kind of knew Norm was going to be that guy. He's fun. I like him. Yeah. And he was a guy that it took me a while to really kind of get Norm. Cause I would listen to people talk about Norm. Like, Oh my God, he's so funny. He's so this, he's that. And I would listen to him. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I don't like what's so funny about that until for whatever reason, it just popped up on my YouTube feed and I started watching it. And all of a sudden I got it. Like it's all of a sudden it's just like, Oh, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, I feel is like, or I should say Norm was like Andy Kaufman in the way like Andy Kaufman would just strip troll an audience. Like he would sit on stage and eat a bowl of, ice cream in front of everybody and say nothing and the crowd didn't know whether to laugh or walk out yeah just like very funny but it'd be kind of weird and, but at least like norm there was always a payoff and i think that's the difference yeah but i am very happy he is our cover athlete for today and i mean hell anytime we get to talk about norm mcdonald it's a good day no kidding man so we're going to move away from talking about Norm Donald and to announce our cover athlete for next week's episode, Season 7, Episode 17, in chronological order, 161, or sorry, 167, Rourke Chartier. Yeah, Rourke Chartier ended up getting uh, demoted the other day, and that was just a very, very weird day on Sen's Twitter. Everyone saw it coming, but... There's just kind of like a big, oh, you can't do that mm -hmm. sort of feeling, even though it was like probably the right call. Anyway, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it, though. We'll talk about it when we get to it. Now, normally, Tim, this would be the time of the episode where I would ask, how's your week been going? But the NHL All-Star Game was this past weekend. How little of it did you watch? I know I only watched a handful of it. I watched none of it. Yeah. There was like three moments that really stuck out of the All-Star game. There was Tate McRae, who was gotten who got hit on by Travis Konecki. Michael <laughs> Buble was high off his ass during the press conference. Oh yeah, that looked fun though. It was even like without context watching him talk, you're like, this guy is bombed or he's high or something. It was hilarious. But also Nikita Kucherov. Oh, when he decided to be the heel? When he just straight up decided to give no fucks. Yeah. Because, again, and this is something we've talked about year after year after year with the All-Star game. It's like, the players have no incentive to go. They're kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of forced to be here, so I'll go and I'll do it. But I'm not going to go full speed but the thing about Kucherov, and this is where I think people don't understand it, because I've seen Nikita Kucherov play live. Even live, he doesn't look like he's really trying. But the results are there, so. Yeah, he's not like... Ah, oh, Christ, who's that guy who plays the Denver Nuggets, the center? Uh, Jokic, or whatever the hell is it? He's like that big yeah. Serbian guy. He doesn't look like he's trying. He just kind of shoots the ball, scores... He always he plays basketball like it's a side hustle. That is one way to say it. Yeah, but the All Star Game, it kind of was what it was. 
there was controversy about Austin Matthews winning MVP, given that Alex DeBrinkett did have six points in that. But again, I just I don't care. Yeah, like it's yeah, it's just kind of hard to be too up about the All Star game, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, this is something I think I believe I said last year or some of the other All Star game recaps we've talked about, where it's like all of the like all of the All Star games of every pro league, with the exception of baseball. None of them are really worth watching. It's more like the skills competitions more worth it. Like the home run derby is awesome. The slam dunk competition is always great. But the games themselves are just they're go, they go half speed. Yeah. Because no one wants to get hurt, right? Yeah. Baseball is the exception because baseball you legit have to try. And up until a few years ago, and I did not realize baseball got rid of the rule in the all-star game that whichever side wins gets home field advantage in the world series yeah which matters yeah and honestly this is something that i suggested a few years ago and i believe even you kind of had a i don't want to say negative reaction but you were kind of cool on the idea of the nhl doing the exact same thing yeah but it's like the nhl has such a clear system that it seems a bit yeah, I guess so. Still, it would have been cool, though, to see. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you one thing I did get a chance to do over the weekend, Tim. Now, as you know, and as our listeners know, we're both on Twitter. I decided to clean out my followers and following people. Yeah. Because, honestly, I went through all of my followers, and there was, like... I don't know, 60, 70 of those accounts that either I don't follow or they're not active anymore. So I just started, like, deleting them. How many do you have now? I can bring it up right now. Okay, so keep in mind, I went from 240 in my followers. I'm at 178. Okay. Yeah, I also got rid of my following. I think I was at, like, 200-something, and now I'm at, like, 183. Oh, wow. Yeah. But at least I didn't get any, any any Twitter fights. So there you go. Yeah. Those aren't fun. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, you, you told me about that. I'm just like, just just why? Just, yeah. Well, it's like, at some point, it's just like, oh, someone replied. Oh, that's kind of a silly reply. Oh, this became unhinged real quick. Because it's weird, because it goes from like, sometimes it's like, it'll just be like a conversation between two people that it'll be like, some third person jumps in and it's just like, oh. Oh, they're really going ham here. That, that's that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't like that in real life either, though. Yeah. Although, a sidebar to this. So I was at the gym on Saturday morning. Yep. And there was a guy. Like, when we used to go to Q of A, I used to take the city bus home. Uh-huh. So one of the old city bus drivers was at the gym. He was like on the elliptical next to me and he's asking me he says hey like what are you plugged into because i had my earbuds in and i pulled my phone out and he's like oh yeah you're connecting to one of those and he started going off about like how the new world order is like controlling us and ai is going to take over and i'm like what yeah he just uh, he's so into like the shift the shapeshifters and lizard people and shit like this and he, he just talks to some random dude well, he remembers me. That's the crazy thing. He remembers me from when I went to Q of A. Oh, that, that's wild. Yeah. And it's like, I've seen him in the past and he seems like a nice guy before he gets into like his like, conspiracy theories, which I don't. You don't I, care for. I don't go into because when he said New World Order, my, you know, the smart ass part of me is like, like the Hulk Hogan wrestling stable. Yeah. Like, is this some WCW stuff? Yeah. I mean, listen, if he wants to talk about the NWO, regardless, I mean, if it's black and white, red, yeah, like red and white or black and white, wolf pack, Latino world order, I got time for it. But not those like quote unquote and new world order trying to take over and shit. No. Ain't nobody got time for that. But I'll tell you what I do have time for, Tim, is segue into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Nice. 
seamless. Just seamless, my good man. Now, unfortunately for Top of the Art, Tim, and we've been doing the show for seven seasons, and you know how I feel about death. Mm-hmm. I hate kicking it off for Top of the Art. I hate talking about it. But for listeners of Three Ghosts and no Four Ghosts, my other podcast, which I do with Adam, now I've already talked about the story, so I'll quickly talk about this here as well. Former Boston Bruins goaltender Blaine Locker passed away at the age of 53. So Blaine Locker is one of these guys, Tim, the Boston Bruins in the mid to late 90s, they went through this transitional period in goal where they went from Andy Bogue being traded. So you had John Casey came in, Blaine Locker came in, John Blue, your good buddy, Jim Carrey. <laughs> the net detective. And then Byron Defoe comes in and really becomes the starter. So Blaine Locker had like one decent season during the lockout short season of 94 and 95 and was just never good again. He was out of, he was out of hockey within like two or three years. It's kind of crazy how often that happens with goalies. And I feel like there was another goalie. We were talking about this shoot play for Philadelphia. I'm blanking on him now. Same thing happened. Like was great going into the lockout. Wasn't great after the lockout was out of the NHL in like two years. Was it Roman Czechmanic? Czechmanic. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Czechmanic had a couple of good years and then he just up and left. Yeah, and then like, yeah, like a lot of guys are like that. And it's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. I mean, Jim Carrey was a great example of that. A guy who he hit and then he faded away. Yeah, well, it's the way she goes, right? It's the way she goes, man. It's the way she goes. But 53 is young. Yeah, and this is something that didn't pop up on Twitter. It didn't pop up on the NHL website or any of their social media. So on Facebook, I follow this NHL goalies group where it's just a bunch of good dudes hanging out, talking about goalies. And somebody, I guess, who lives in Medicine Hat, which which I believe that's where he's from, posted about this. Yeah. Um, there's another one that was announced earlier this afternoon that we might as well tag in here. Sure. Uh, the Spezza family announced that Jason Spezza's younger brother, Matthew, passed away of an accidental overdose. Oh, Jesus. That's awful, man. Yeah, that's so young. That is, that is so young. And I do remember like when Spez played for the Sens and his brother came out as an emergency goalie for practice. Yeah. And uh, he actually had a pretty, pretty decent career uh, playing for the 67. He played some games for the 67s for the France's backup and then uh, played a bit in the IHL. So it was a a bit of a short lived career, but uh, he was always kind of around the senators and it's a shame to see that he just passed away. And uh, given that Spets is barely 40, his younger brother is uh, gone way too soon. Yeah, so condolences to the Spetsa family. I mean, it's it's tough, right? It's tough to lose anybody, but especially when you lose somebody like that, it's especially hard. Yeah, 38. So you know how a few moments ago, Tim, we were talking about the NHL All-Star game. One big piece of news that did come out of this Gary Bettman officially announced that the NHL and NHLPA have announced the return of NHL players to the Olympic Games in 2026 in Milan. This is cool. And I've always liked best on best hockey. It's a shame it's been gone so long. I kind of get it, especially not wanting to go to China during 2022. So it'll be good to have uh, best on best hockey back. No, this is going to be fantastic. And I do see the reasoning for not wanting to go in 2022. But again, with China being such a huge market for sports, that could have been a great opportunity for the NHL to break into it. But it didn't happen. So 2026 comes along. And, you know, this is going to be great because I believe that the NHL, they're going to be doing their own version of a world tournament, I guess, next year in 2025. Okay. Something so we're like getting that. quite a few. It's going to be something really interesting to see because, again, I grew up with the NHLers being at the Olympics. I remember the excitement of 2010 
And even when Canada won gold in 2002, those are two big moments I'll never forget. The big thing for me, and you're already seeing people on social media posting their projected lineups for the 2026 Olympic Games. One thing that really sticks out, Canada's not even the best country. No, those American teams look scary. Yep, and this is something, I believe we even talked about this, because you've got Austin Matthews, all three of the Hugheses. Both Kachucks. Both Kachucks. And then you look at the supporting cast, we have Clayton Keller, Jason Robertson, Jack Eichel. Joe Pavelski, if he's still playing. Yeah, and then you have the three-headed monster of Demko, Ottinger, and Hellebuck. Yeah, that's that's a scary team. Uh, and the Swedes are no slouches either. I know some people are like, yeah, but Canada has McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby, which fair, like that's, mm-hmm. those are the best centers in the league. But, what but you're, for- you're forgetting though, is Crosby even going to be around for this? Because he might just say, I'm done. Or right. Have- that's true, but Crosby has looked so good this year. I would be really surprised if he hangs him up next season, let or two seasons from now, yeah. Just yeah. how good he's looked. Yeah, but maybe it's one of those things where he is like, you know what? It's better to go out on top. Maybe. Hopefully you can win more and more cup. Actually, what is? I'm just going to check Crosby's contract to see when he's due. Because that would probably be the first chance of him retiring unless like some brutal injury happens. Yeah, his contract runs out next year. Okay. So yeah, 2025-2026 would be the first opportunity for him to retire. Mm-hmm. And I could see him doing like one more year, like because Malkin has uh Malkin has one more year, 2025-2026. Latang's up in 2027-2028. I could see him doing one more year. Yeah, it's also gonna be interesting to see what happens because with Russia not even being invited. Like what I would happen- not like what's gonna happen with guys like Kucherov, Malkin, Ovechkin, guys like that? Like, are you gonna do like the unified nation or whatever they've done in the past? That's what I would imagine they would have the Olympic athletes of Russia, OAR. Mm-hmm. But you know, with all this talk about Canada, United States, Sweden, Russia, Germany is gonna be a dark horse in that tournament. When you got Stutzla, Dreisleidel, and Moyer Germany might knock out a team, surprisingly. Slovakia has the the ability to play spoiler as well. Yep. The Swiss, it'll, I don't think the Swiss really have anyone super notable anymore. Finland. Fin, Finland is, they're always going to be one of your top. Yeah. Finland, Sweden, the US, Canada. Canada. Yeah. The only country that's kind of a question mark for me is really the Czech Republic. It's like, what team are they going to send over? Well, who would be their goaltender? Would it be someone playing over there? Because I can't think of a big Czech goaltender right now. Like back when you had... Yeah, back when you had Hasek playing. Yeah. But I'll tell you one guy that you probably could play in the Olympics. What about Yarmer Yager? (laughs) He could. I mean, hell, he received a vote for Finland's presidential election, even though he is not from Finland. I mean, why not, dude? Yeah, that's just awesome that somebody decided. And again, this happens in the United States all the time. Ron Tug not mentioned us on our podcast. Oh, that he got an actual write in despite he, being a Canadian. Yeah, and you had like you know Mickey Mouse and all these fake write ins. Yarmer Yager got one, and it got disqualified. Ah, uh, well, he can't be elected. So, ooh, a Blue Jacket story. Speaking of Tugnut. Yeah, man. Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman David Yurichek criticizes Jackets management in the Athletic following his AHL demotion. So, here's the thing. Columbus's defense has been bad. David Yurichek hasn't been... He hasn't really blown the barn doors off, but he's not the worst player on that back end. He should at least... He should be one of their top six. Andrew Peake and uh, Jake Bean are garbage. 
Like they should not be NHL players at this. Well, Jake Bean, maybe not so much, but Andrew Peak for sure should not be an NHL player at this point. Yeah. And let's not forget they're paying Erica Branson four mil. Yeah, that is uh that is a choice that they made. Not a good one, but it's a choice. Here's the thing. Your Branson is the least of their problems. Those are words I never thought we would ever say, Tim. Yeah, the other thing is Ivan Provorov. He hasn't been great in Columbus, that's for sure. Why do you think that is? Do you think maybe it's the system or something mentally? He His last couple of years in Philadelphia weren't amazing either. Mm -hmm. So part of me is wondering, it's just like, maybe this is just what Ivan Provorov is. Maybe. I don't and know. He's probably being played above what he should be. And maybe that's why that's part of what helped Vegas get three Vegas. The Flyers get off to the strong start they did is there was a bit of addition for, by subtraction. Definitely in Philadelphia, he was never like the main guy there. He was more of a support guy than anything. Mm -hmm. Well, the hard thing was is he he had to play top line minutes in Philly uh, last year because they lost. Uh, they were supposed to have Ryan Ellis, right? Yep. And then a uh, guy's career just ended, basically. And like their top line ended up becoming uh, Provorov and D'Angelo, and that just was a bit of a mess. Yeah, definitely probably the, the single most polarizing defense pairing in the NHL. Yeah, well, this year the Flyers have just been defensively much better. So it made work for, well, I guess whoever's going to be in goal for Philadelphia now, much easier. Yeah, I like, yeah, with that whole thing with the Team Canada, I don't know who the hell they're going to get and play goal now. And you can see a lot of models have turned on Philadelphia now that uh, chickens are coming to roost, right? Yeah. Okay, so I just had a thought. So I know like we mentioned this in the pack on the podcast, Jacob Markstrom. So yeah. I I linked him to Seattle, but Joey Decorda has now come to Seattle and is doing well. With the whole Carter Hart situation and the Flames possibly going into a rebuild, does Philadelphia go after him? How much do you think the Flames can get? Because the one thing that surprised me about about the current trade deadline is I thought that motion was going to be hard and prices were going to be depressed because it's a it's a buyer's market because there's just no cap space right yeah but then Monaghan goes and gets a first and you know what good on him hey you know what how many guys can say I got traded for a first round pick twice, twice. well actually that's not true Chris Pronger. Chris Monahan's a little different. Monahan got traded with a first round pick. True. But Philly does have two first rounders and their compensation pick for Jay O'Brien. So they do have some draft capital this year. So like if there is a bidding war for Markstrom, Philadelphia could be in play. Yeah. The hard thing is though, no cap space. Their deadline cap space is going to be about a million dollars. Yeah, they would have to make... Yeah, and it's not like they could just trade prospects and picks. So you would have to trade a big cap hit to go to Calgary, and Calgary doesn't want to do that. Yeah, because, like, because I wonder if, like, the not... Carter Hart's weird non... No, the non-roster stuff, I think, is... he. That's already been accounted for here. Mm -hmm. So it could be really hard. But the other thing is, is with Philly, you know, we talk about Ottawa being uniquely bad at managing buyouts. Yep. The Flyers are, have more dead cap than the Suns this year at about $6 million. No, sorry, Tim, just refresh from memory. Who, who were those players? Kevin Hayes. Okay. Anthony D'Angelo. Okay. Oscar Limbaum. And his buyout is still on the books, but it was, I think it was a compliance buyout, so it's Ilya Brizgalov. Mm. 
Oh my god, I cannot believe Briz is still getting paid by the Flyers. <laughs> he signed a nine-year contract with Paul Holmgren, and it got bought out almost immediately. <laughs> you know, of all the NHL rules, I'm glad they capped the amount of years you can give a player. Because you remember when the Devils tried to give Kolachuk that 17-year contract? Yeah. So dumb. So, so dumb. dumb. But nine years for Brizgalov, it got bought out immediately. That's incredible. And it's like, man, that that season in Philadelphia was that was a hell season for Brizgalov too. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and uh, the Flyers will be paying him until twenty twenty seven. How much are they paying him? One point six million. Good lord. Yeah, they bought out a nine-year, $6 million contract with a $5 million signing bonus. I mean, I get why they did it. It seemed like a smart idea at the time. It but... just Rizgalov turned into a pumpkin. Yep. Well, I think part of it was also he really didn't gel in that room. Mm -mm. Like, watching that 20 NHL 24-7 series watching back it's like could tell he was he was not well liked there yeah but even it's funny because chris pronger and ryan whitney have said on spitting chicklets he was such an odd guy in the room even with the ducks that when chris chris said when he signed with philadelphia he's just this is gonna ruin his career yeah which is a shame because mm. like i i really do like Breeze Golov seems like he's an odd duck, but he seems like a good guy. And yeah. he, he had a great career in Anaheim and Phoenix. He did. He still holds the record for most wins by a Coyotes goaltender. And like first year in Philadelphia, like after they trade, sorry, his first year in Philadelphia there was actually pretty good. It was just that second one before the bio was like, Ugh. it was really bad. It was really bad. Now, Sticking with the Columbus Blue Jackets, Tim, their forward, Patrick Laine, took a leave of absence to receive care from the NHL, NHLPA Player Assistance Program. And I know for next week on top of the hour, we got a couple more of these stories, but you know what? Patrick Laine, and I say this to every player, good on them for at least taking their problems seriously. Yeah, and Laine is a guy where it's like, he had that those brilliant first two seasons with Winnipeg, and then it's just never been the same. So hopefully he can figure out kind of what's what's been eating at him. But there's it's also just been things are not good in Columbus, man. It's not. And, and you know, I don't want to make a jab at Fortnite, but then again, Fortnite went back to their original way of doing shit. Just saying. Well, no, I think it's more just like I know, but there's again, something going on there. Like the way Paul Vincent coaches is, uh, it's really something. Like just the arbitrary benching of players, the players that get to play, the players that don't. One has to wonder if Yarmo Kekalein is going to get fired very quick, like at the end of the season after the Babcock debacle and Vincent just kind of floundering. Yeah, and it's a shame because we saw the Blue Jackets really turn the corner in the 2010s, and now they've entered the 2020s going backwards. Yeah, and that's it's really unfortunate because it's like Columbus seems like it could be a good hockey city, you know? And like, this isn't the only, like, you have this, you have the blow up with Elvis Merzlikens, yep. the Jerchek story, like the Babcock fiasco, and that's just one season. Like, this is approaching Senators tier. Yeah, it's really bad, but also you got to keep in, you got to factor in as well. John Davidson left. Bill Zito went to G on the Panthers, which I widely applauded the Panthers doing that. So mm -hmm. now you're leaving Kekalainen by himself. Pretty much. Which, honestly, do you think he's kind of like Pierre Dorian, where he's a better scout than he is a GM? Because I think as GM of the Blue Jackets, he at least had Davidson and Bill Zito in his corner. You know that I am a a peon, Pierre Dorian apologist. I don't know you are. I honestly, I don't 
like Pierre Dorian was that bad of a GM. He deserved to get fired because of the Vegas thing. Yep. The thing that really sucked for him, Corpus Allo played ungodly bad hockey. That's Otherwise, true. the team that he put together, it's a good team. Like, so we're going to get to this for the games. Last week, we talked about this as well, but the Ottawa Senators are, they're not elite yet, but they are a, like, they're a solid five-on-five. Five. Should be in the playoff picture right now. They should. And I know that you, Trevor Shackles, there's been so many people on social media who've all said, if this team got average goaltending, we'd be in the playoffs right now. Yep. As much people are like, oh, like, and I saw this headline in The Athletic, and it's, I know that, like, Ian Mendez didn't get to choose the headline. The idea that Detroit is further along in the rebuild than Ottawa is asinine. Yep, and this is why you get into Twitter fights with Red Wing fans, Tim. It's true. But they're also just... Unhinged. They're built different, that's for sure. Do you think it's maybe just being a Detroit sports fan makes you be that way? Because you've got the Lions, who were so bad for so long. You have the Pistons who, yeah, they won a couple titles in the 80s and in the 20, 2000s, but they've just kind of been there. The Tigers. <laughs> and then, yeah, the Red Wings. The Wings are the only good thing about all of this because they at least have four cups. Yeah, no kidding. But at the same time, it's just like, why are they like this? Mm-hmm. Why are they like this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Maybe... Do you find all original six fan bases are like that, though? I find, like, with Toronto-Montreal, yes. Boston can definitely be bad. I find the only one I have no issues with is, like, the Rangers. Yeah. Chicago, when they were really good, was could be toxic. The Wings are unhinged. And then you got the Rangers. Then the Rangers just kind of exist. Yeah. Yeah. That is true, Tim. That is true. Now... We're going to move away from talking about the Blue Jackets, the Rangers. We actually got a coach firing. And it's unfortunate we have a coach firing, given the news a couple of weeks ago, about Vince McMahon. Because I have to, unfortunately, retire. You got to retire that bit. I have to retire the year fired. Because I can't, in good consciousness, use it anymore. Los Angeles Kings have fired head coach Todd McClellan. Here's the thing. We were talking about... Some bad goaltending from Jonas Corposalo. Mm -hmm. Cam Talbot has decided to turn in the Ottawa special here. And uh, that's probably what has led to the slide that LA has seen. It's just been a it's been a rough patch for LA, and they decide to change it up. The on-ice product for LA has it's been pretty good. Like the defense has been the puck mostly stays where it's supposed to in the other on the other side of the ice. But yeah, like all of a sudden you go from comfortably in the playoffs to maybe we make it, maybe we don't. And you see, you get blown by, by the Oilers. The Knights who are missing like half their team mm -hmm. and the Canucks. Yeah. The Canucks have really surprised a lot of people this year. I think with the Oilers, though, <clears throat> the best way to put it, and it's because it's it seemed like a weird comparison. Do you remember that scene in Toy Story when Woody Buzzer at RC with the rocket and buzzes back and they firing down the street at them? Yeah. That's like the Oilers. They're just way back and they just shoot as far as they can towards the top of the division. Yeah. Well, it's like the wild thing is, is like it is possible for them to, I believe, tie the. 90 the 92 penguins this week and pass it to be have the longest win streak in nhl history like that's kind of incredible it really is incredible it really is incredible and you know what for the la kings i mean it's it's amazing to see where they were this year because they were out the near the top of the division they look like okay la is gonna make the playoffs no problem and then they hit that losing streak and they couldn't have done it at a worse time because that's what Edmonton went on their winning streak. That's exactly right. It's like you have all these incredible things happening and all of a sudden what was a respectably good season for LA is just starting to look a bit more precarious because 
the West has looked phenomenal this year. Like they looked like they were going to be weak again, but all of a sudden you have you have three strong teams in the Western Conference and potentially five good teams in the Pacific. Like I still think LA makes the playoffs. They're better than St. Louis. Yeah, just by roster design alone. Yeah. I'm not 100% sold on Nashville. No, I think Nashville are overachieving, and I think they're going to get to a point where they teeter off. Yeah, so it's like, I think LA still makes the playoffs. And, like, the Kings are a good team. I kind, I understand the urge to pull the lever for the Kings. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might have just left the coach in place. Well, it's going to depend who the Kings replace him with, too, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we're going to move over and talk about the LA Kings and talk about the Kings of the Pacific right now, the Vancouver Canucks, who have re-signed general manager Patrick Alvin to a multi-year contract extension. I am the I am not the least bit surprised about this, given that I mean, Christ, look what he's done for the Canucks, right? Yeah. The guy realized that the Canucks had some salary space to work with, and then he just used it. As someone who looks at models, I'd be remiss for not being, well, it's all shooting percentages and goal saves, but Thatcher Demko is the real deal. Yeah, I I think everybody would agree with that. I've always been a Demko guy. Even when he maybe didn't have the best of seasons, I says, you know what? He's going to bounce back. He's going to play great. And for Patrick Alvin, I mean, again, when he got hired, and we talked about this on top of the air, we didn't know much about him. We didn't really know exactly where the Canucks were going to go because they brought in Jim Rutherford, which we knew from his success with the Penguins, comes into Vancouver. So, okay, you got this guy. Patrick Alvin comes in. Clearly, he's got connections. But we don't know where it's going to go from here. And then they make the very controversial move of firing Bruce Boudreaux bringing Rick Tockett. Yeah. I was definitely not happy about that. No, me too. But credit to Tockett. I mean, Tockett has gotten his team playing great right now. Yeah, for sure. And this is a... GM resigning that looks pretty good. And it'll be interesting to see what the Canucks look like uh in the playoffs and beyond. Well the I'll... other thing about that the Canucks, I think their defense is actually kind of underrated. So that makes Demko's life even easier. Well, I know especially with that one defenseman the Canucks have, I know you've been big on that guy. Oh, Philip Ronick? Yeah, Philip Philip Ronick. Yeah, you've been huge on that guy with the Canucks. Well, that was such a good pickup. And they gave Detroit a first that Detroit probably threw away, threw in the garbage. Well, I won't be too mean. But yeah, like, Philip Ronick was just such a good pickup for them. Yeah, it's amazing, eh? Because he went from a guy in Detroit who looked all right, and then he goes to Vancouver and he just gets better. Yeah. That's kind of when I say that Detroit isn't further along than Ottawa in the rebuild. It's because they're casting off pieces like that. It shows, and this, the veterans they signed to replace them are not good. Well, it was definitely a, a risk-reward thing for Steve Eisenman with trading him to the Canucks because, again, maybe Stevie White thought he hit his ceiling with the Red Wings, trades him to Vancouver, gets a new system, gets better. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Now, you know, we've been talking about Patrick Alvin. Let's talk about the big trade of the week, Tim. The Calgary Flames traded Elias Lindholm to the Vancouver Canucks for Andre Kuzmenko, Hunter Bristowicz, Juno Jumu, a 2024 first, and a conditional 2024 fourth round pick. By the way, with Hunter Bristowicz, I know I completely butchered his name, but that's all right. <laughs> this is a big price for Elias. I like Elias Lindholm as a player. Defensively sound forwards are hard to come by. But you're giving up a guy who looks to be an NHL, like 
looks to be it like an guaranteed NHL defenseman. I've seen the rank people say he's going to be either like a third liner or a second liner. So like a good NHLer, a first and Kuzmenko. I know Kuzmenko had kind of fallen out in Vancouver and this makes the numbers work. And also good on Calgary for not retaining any salary. Because this means that they can retain a salary on another trade. Yeah. And this really, to me, signals that a rebuild is coming. Well, just think of the players that have moved out of Calgary, even in the last year. Like, Zadorov's gone, Toffoli's gone, and now Lindholm's gone. Yeah, and those are just the players that are not named Goudreau to Chuck. Exactly. So, that is a team that's definitely going into a retool. I don't think they can go into a full rebuild because of that Huberto contract. But I would imagine, okay, so the Flames go into a retooling instead of a rebuild. They still got Markstrom. They still got a couple of pieces. I, I don't know what they have in their system for prospects. Uh, Connor Zeri, who just came up this year, and he's got two more years on his ELC, has been he's been fantastic. Uh, he can play up and he plays up the lineup, and he is very fun to watch in person. So that's been their best prospect. But yeah, when it comes to a bit deeper in the pool, it's not quite as clear. Matthew Coronado is another one that people are excited about, and Adam Klapka you see come up and down. But this could be a good opportunity for, like, the Flames, they're not going to bottom out this season. And if you think your team is going to <laughs> even get close to that first overall pick, I've got a bridge to sell you. Because, like, the Blackhawks, the Sharks, and the Ducks have that thing on lockdown. Yeah, we can't forget Columbus is teetering on that, too. Oh, yeah. And I think the Sens have turned the page, and they'll get to they'll probably get to five hundred at the very least, despite frankly abhorrent goaltending. I will say about Elias Lindholm, though, it, it was good for the Flames to trade him because the only reason you would keep a guy like that in your roster for two reasons: one, if you think you could resign him, and if you think you can make a push for the playoffs. Neither of which I don't think Calgary could do right now. No, so you might as well get the get the value out of them. Yeah, but like uh, this is a gamble for Vancouver as well. Like Lindholm hasn't been playing anywhere close to where he was even a couple years ago. So hopefully, a change of scenery and getting to play with uh, Elias Pettersson really turns that around for them. Hopefully, because again, this is a contract year, man. You, the success you're going to have this season is going to depend on what teams are going to want to pay you in the offseason. Exactly. And for Vancouver, you gave up a very strong defensive prospect at first and a first. And Kuzmenka, right? So you gave up very real assets for that. Yeah, but you know what? If the Canucks can make a somewhat decent run of the playoffs and maybe yep. Lindholm decides... To take less money to stay with the Canucks? This could work. This, this will work for the Canucks. So we're going to close the top of the air by talking about the Sean Monahan trade to the Winnipeg Jets for a 2024 first and a 2027 third round pick. The Winnipeg Jets, like the Canucks, another team that surprised a lot of people in the NHL. But again... I don't think Sean Monahan is worth a first. No. Second, is... that's teetering. He's been much better than he was in previous years as he's definitely recovered. And sure, he's not playing like his line mates in Montreal are, uh, as the kids say, not great. Yeah. But Sean Monahan at this point in his career is a second or a third line center if that's what gets mm -hmm. a first round pick nowadays imagine what ottawa could get for tarasenko should ottawa choose to trade him yeah and again it'll all depend on where the sends are at the deadline i mean again i think it's great that we got him for one year 
but I think the price tag for him to stay long term is going to be too high. Maybe, yeah. But, but he has been really good. <laughs> he he's been everything we've ever asked of him. He came in, he put up points, and he seems like a guy who doesn't appear to be kind of, okay, I guess I'm here, I might as well play. He seems very positive, very upbeat about everything with the Senators, even though he hasn't, or the team hasn't had the, the best of seasons. Yeah, and like... It's nice to see. Honestly, he might be worth keep. Like, the hard thing is, it's just the, the defense just really isn't there anymore. No. No, it has not. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the air for this week, which means only one thing. It's time to talk about some games. Now, we only got two games on the schedule. We've got the Preds versus the Senators, and the Senators versus the Red Wings. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Predators versus the Senators. This is a 4-3 Senators overtime victory. Predators are going to score by Michael Picarin, Philip Tomasino, and Yako Terran. Is that how you say his name? Sense goes scored by Drake Batherson, Tim Stutzla, Brady Tishak, and Claude Giroux in overtime. Shot for 35-28 for the Senators. I'm not going to lie, for some of these players, I really should have hyphenated the names, but that's whatever. Okay, so this is the game that was played last Monday night when we were recording. It looked like I missed a good game because I know like we were in the middle of recording. We got to this segment of the episode. You stopped me like, Tay. The Sens tied it. Yeah, so this was a game that felt like it was over in the first period. Ottawa opened definitely one of their weaker openings, but Sogard let in three goals on 11 shots. Yeah, he did not look good in any of those shots, but... Credit to Corpus Salo. Yeah, he redeemed himself by holding Ottawa in it, right? Because it could have been a thing where the Sens were making their comeback and he lets in a soft one and just deflates the entire team. Yeah. Uh, controversial goal on, I believe, the Tomasino goal where Chabot tries to butt the puck, misses, Tom, but he keeps pace. Tomasino goes to the outside and throws it on Sogarden scores. A lot of people say, oh, it's Thomas Chabot's lazy, bloody, bloody, blue. Chabot kept the shot to the outside. The guy happened to score on a shot that goes in less than 10% of the time. A normal goalie doesn't let that one in. And you could see it go in on the AHL side. And like what we kind of saw from these games, is, as much as I, I like what Sogard's done in the AHL, mm. still not quite ready for the NHL. No. No, we've seen him in the games that he has played, so some more seasoning could be up his alley. I do have one real comment to make on this game, that Claude Giroux overtime goal. Talk about a perfect shot to put the Predators away. I mean, it was nothing but work, and Ottawa's top line, when they needed them, really came to play. So Brady could chuck Beautiful puck for the first goal. And then Stutzler just wills one into the net for two. And then Brady Kachuk just ties it up just on such a hardworking goal. And this is a game that Ottawa, def, other than kind of that rough patch in the first period, which admittedly, before the first goal, Ottawa's open wasn't terrible. Mm -hmm. They had a pretty dangerous looking power play, put some pressure on, and then all of a sudden McCarron gets a weak one. And just that deflates the sense. Thankfully, they they get out of the first period, and then after that, it's all. That's all you can ask, right? All you can ask is, as long as you, even regardless of what you are down by, it's a matter of okay, you got to score one more goal in them. Pretty much, they went out and did it. On the opposite end of the spectrum, it was really interesting to see just all of Nashville's offense came from the depth. With uh, Tomasino on the third line, Trennan on the second, and McCarron uh, one assist for Yossi and Fabro. The O'Reilly line was silent. 
But you know what? Credit to the Sens. If like again, I didn't. I only saw the condensed version of this game. So throughout, if there were the if there were the reason why they kept that line silent, it's all we can ask. Exactly. Yeah. Uh. And other than kind of the one screw up by Shabbat, the Shabbat Shikran line looked pretty good, and the Sanderson Zub line, they saw the majority of uh, the O'Reilly line, and yeah. They kept, they kept them off the scoreboard. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a theme when talking about this game and the next game is Thomas Shabbat because for the listeners who are going to see the title of this episode, the OU Hate 72. Such a great title for the episode. Yep. We are here for the Thomas Shabbat praise. Yeah, because do you want to go to the Detroit game? I sure do, Tim. Let's turn attention to the second and final game of the evening. Sens versus Red Wings. This is a 3-2 Senators overtime victory. Sens goes scored by Mark Kasselik, Brady Chuck, and Shane Pinto in overtime. Red Wings goes scored by Daniel Sprung and Dylan Larkin. Shots were 25 even. Now, before we get into the actual game, Tim, I gotta say, during top of the air, I talked about the LA Kings firing head coach Todd McClellan. I mentioned that because of the news about Vince McMahon, I'm going to have to retire the you're fired bit. Did you notice when the Red Wings DJ, they called, the Red Wings got called for a penalty. Yeah. Did you notice they used the Mr. McMahon theme? No, I didn't. Yeah, I noticed that, and I tweeted it. I was like, that's kind of tasteless, guys. Just saying. Yeah. So, this is a game where Ottawa probably should have won this by more. The only thing really hanging, holding Detroit in this game with its Alex Lyon, despite only 25 shots hitting the net, Ottawa had way more that just missed. And despite missing, were really dangerous. The ones that hit were just very strong. Ridley Gregg should have had a goal. He should have. Ripping it off the post. But the Brady Kachuk's 2-1 goal might be one of the funniest things I've ever seen. The Detroit Wed Wings have just an absolutely garbage power play. Throw a back pass that Ottawa clears the zone. Wallman falls down. Brady Kachuk picks up the puck, has a clean breakaway, just top shelf, and it goes. And Kaslik's goal was equally nice, and that just really set the centers up for the rest of the game. The Sprong goal, you don't see Eric Brandstrom screw up that often. The poor guy just fell down. Ain't much you can do about that. Another really good game for the fourth line. Like, they just put ton of pressure on and Mark Kastlick was rewarded just by sitting in front of the net and uh, tapping one right through uh, Liam. Now, the only goal we need to talk about Shane Pinto in overtime. I'm going to say right now, second best overtime goal the Sens have scored against the Red Wings this season. That's so true. Well, let's talk about that overtime. Detroit does not Touch the puck in overtime. Yeah. At one point, Detroit fans are booing because their team cannot get a handle on the puck. Ottawa gets multiple breakaway attempts. Shabbat bobbles a first one, recollects it, tries again, and sets up Pinto. Passes it through the legs of the Detroit defender, and Pinto just in it goes. Yeah, and I love the fans behind the glass are just like throws their hands up in the air, like, oh come on. As, like, you knew that was coming. Detroit hadn't touched the puck in almost three minutes. So it's games like this. I mean, I don't get the Shabbat slander, to be honest with you, man. Like, again, like we've talked about the last couple of weeks, he's looked really good. And so many people are not willing to give him that credit. It's because they're ang- boomers who are mad on the internet and think that they can fix a team without realizing what the actual problem is. So Twitter, basically. Yeah, well, here's the thing, because everybody's like, oh, we should trade Thomas Shabbat out of town, and we should keep Chikrin. What happens if Chikrin leaves as well? Yeah, didn't think about that, did you? 
guess why the Shabbat Shikrid pairing has been what Vada was most effective and the other Shikrid pairings haven't? Did you think of that? No. No. The unfortunate thing, Jake Sanderson left the game very early. So Ottawa played this game with five defensemen, and Shabbat was back to playing Shabbat minutes, with Shabbat playing 31. Yeah. I mean, it's not as funny as 11-7, but, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. And frankly, he looked good. Yeah, and Corpus no, Allo played really a pretty normal game. And uh, he made some key stops in the third to keep the Sens in it. It was just, yeah, Red Wings and Sens had a very similar amount of shots, but Ottawa's were just better. Ottawa had was much better at just kind of cycling the puck and getting it into the slot, while Detroit was just getting it in, forced to the outside, firing a routine shot. The only time that Ottawa got scored on or Detroit really got any good good looks was after an unfortunate error, like Branstrom falling down. Yeah, but and how it, often does that happen, though? Not very often. Unfortunate as it, as it was, we couldn't take this one in regulation. If we took this one in regulation, uh, Detroit would have lost a ton of ground in the playoff race. Yeah. But Detroit didn't get the two points they desperately needed, so... That is, that's good things to see. Yeah, and you know what? It's really good to see the Senators finishing strong, heading into the All-Star break. And just looking at the games of the week, like we only have one game to talk about for next week's episode. Huh. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I was really surprised when just kind of, just going back to the Red Wings, is just kind of watching how weak they are in the offensive zone. And I think part of that is they only have two good defensemen. So, sorry, can I add just a quick sidebar here to the top of the hour segment? Did So, Darren Dreger did tweet out this afternoon that the Flyers, Devils, and the Flames have both have all been informed they're going to receive cap relief for the players on leave charged of that 2018 World Junior Criminal Proceedings. Okay, so there is space for maybe a Markstrom on Philadelphia. Yeah. And somebody, by the way, somebody did post in the comments, Ottawa should get cap relief for being the only team to keep a rapist out of the league. It's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, true, the Senators are really the only team that did the right thing. Yeah. Like, straight up, Alex Formington was not re-signed. But here's the thing. If, if the Senators were so convinced, why didn't they go to the league about it? We don't know because at that point, the league had already put kind of kiboshed the teams talking independently about this issue. Maybe the maybe the Sens did. We won't know until this goes to court. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's like these those other four played in the NHL while Ottawa took a very like someone who could have been an NHLer. And uh, said, no, we, we're not going to play you. Yeah, and clearly every other team felt the same way about him. So, yeah, so it's like the Sens, like Pierre Dorian did the right thing there. Yeah, and I wonder if, okay, I guess say hypothetically, you know, we were just talking about what if the Sens went to the league, they did nothing. What if the Sens went to the other teams? And maybe that's why he didn't get signed. Again, I'm we're not trying to speculate. But again, you have to try, sometimes you have to think about stuff like this too. Well, it's tough because it's just like, who really knows? And this will work itself out in court. Maybe the Sens didn't, maybe the Sens like, oh, we just don't want this guy. But it also doesn't matter because we own his rights. So we can just kind of banish him from the NHL. And they thought that was that. Mm -hmm. And really, I don't know what more the Sens could do in their situation, right? Exactly. So, Tim, do you have any more comments you want to make on these games before we head off from the close for another episode? Nope, I think we're good. 
Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play, as well as on social media. You can find the show at Third Line Plug. You can find me on social media at Great White Gipster. And you can find Tim on Twitter at M901 Honey Badger. So, Tim, just like I mentioned a few minutes ago, we only got one game to talk about Battle of Ontario. At home. I hope it's a good game. And they usually are. I am gonna try so hard to do not bitch Gotta make your season stick its back. Until next week. Gibson. Ben Tim Johnson. Ghost.